Welcome to Wisdom Trek with Gramps. I am Guthrie Chamberlain and we are on day 2,314 of our trek. The purpose of Wisdom Trek is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, and to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. We are continuing the messages I delivered at Putnam Congregational Church over the past couple of years. This is the first of an 11 message series covering the letter to the Philippians. This message is titled, Insights into Philippians. I pray that it'll be a conduit of learning and encouragement for you. Thank you, kids. Thanks, Paula, for coming up with such a great video lesson on the difference between happiness and joy. It is amazing. Something that we as adults, no matter what our age is, needs to learn also. Now, last week, our, we had our Outreach and Mission Sunday. And our focus was with Jeff and Candy Waite from the Gospel Mission Food Pantry and the other partners that we partner with as a local congregation to promote building God's kingdom throughout the world. And this week, we begin a brand new series. After we're finished up with Hebrews, now we're going to look at a letter that was written to the church in Philippi, where our focus will be this month is joy in living for the Thanksgiving season. What a perfect month to correspond with the joy that we should have. And today we're going to explore just some insights. It's just an overview. It's a little bit of a shorter message today. But it's just some insights into this letter. And then next week we'll begin walking through the verse by verse of the letter of Philippians. As an introduction today, let's read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And this is on page 1825 of your pew Bibles. Just these two verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we sang that song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Might not have been done perfectly, but the heart is what matters. It makes you wonder, though, why some church gatherings seem to have lost their joy. Now, there are certainly exceptions to this. There are groups of joyful believers and rejoicing congregations, and I just praise the Lord that I'm able to serve here at Putnam, where we do have one of those congregations that are rejoicing in the Lord and happy to see each other and greeting each other with joy on a weekly basis. And we support each other. We show the joy in our lives when we see each other. But sadly, there are joyful Christians and some congregations are a rare species. You don't see joy in their lives as it should be. Now, to be clear, when I say joyful Christian, I'm not talking about something who's silly or foolish. I'm not talking about somebody who thinks that everything's a joke. And I'm certainly not talking about someone who's sarcastic or cynical or sneering Christians. I'm searching for those genuinely joyful Christians. The kind of joy that looks like contentment and peace, not excitement and happiness. This type of joy is the letter that the Philippians is written to. It's the joy that's mentioned during the children's message today, where she quoted Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. This will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Let's ask ourselves a few questions as we start today. I have to ask myself, as you should ask yourself, whether we think these lessons apply to us or not. 
are we together as a congregation of local believers and each of us individually part of a joyful remnant of Christians in today's world? There's certainly enough sad news to go around. We need to spread some joy amidst that. Or have you forgotten how good it is to smile, to laugh, to enjoy life? Have our burdens caused our shoulders to sag or our backs to stoop? When was the last time that you really had the joy of the Lord change your countenance from the inside out? Where people can look at you and say, there's something different about that person. Yes, they go through hard times like other people, but they just seem to have a radiance about them. Is that bubbling out to the surface? Some of us, most of us, I would say, could probably use a healthy dose of joy at times to re-encourage us, to re-energize us. And thankfully, that's what the whole book of Philippians is about. That's the theme of the book, the letter, Overjoyed. Paul's letter is saturated with joy, like a sponge that's filled to overflowing with water where the can't contain anything else. It just bubbles over with joy. From the first word to the last, talk about a message that's so desperately needed in our world today. In today's world of downers and disappointments, where we have the crisis news network constantly giving us bad news, the setbacks, the disappointments, the failures, the tragedies, the disasters, it's easy to let our despair take over in our lives if we're not careful. That should not be as uh, us as believers. I can't think of anything that reveals the person and the work of Jesus Christ in the lives of believers more than a manifestation, an overflowing of joy. The Christian's most obvious advertisement to the world as we walk about in the world and our work and our daily chores and our daily actions makes a real difference if people could see us and see joy manifested from us for a world that's scraping just for an ounce of contentment and happiness. But today we're just going to look at the background of this letter to the Philippians. Now I've never spent any time in jail, praise the Lord for that, might have been a time or two, maybe I should have, but I haven't had that, that to deal with that. But I did have a friend in North Carolina when we lived down there for a little bit. He was wrongly accused and ended up in prison for 18 months. And I would go visit him almost on a weekly basis to encourage him, to send him some books, Christian books. He was a co-worker and a fellow believer. He went to the church that we went to down there. So I went as much time as I could, tried to encourage him. And I learned much about the legal system during that time. Not all of it was necessarily good. But he endured because he had the joy of the Lord in him during that time. And he learned and he understood that God had a purpose for that, even though he was completely exonerated from the charges because they were bogus charges. But sometimes the wheels of justice move slowly. But he was content to stay in that situation until the Lord vindicated him. Along with hospitals and cemeteries, the jails are one of the most joyous place, joyless places on all of earth. How strange it seems then 
from an utterly worldly perspective that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippians and his, his fellow companion Silas, they were singing for joy while they were chained up in a dingy prison in that city of Philippi. On this occasion, they were beaten with rods. They were arrested. They were thrown in jail. But Paul and Silas that night had every reason to be bitter. They could have been angry with their enemies. They could have been unhappy with their circumstances. They could have been angry or upset with God for allowing all this to happen when they were out preaching God's word. But instead, come midnight, that beleaguered apostle Paul and his companion Silas decided to sing. Sing at the top of their lungs, joyful praises to God. And all those tormented prisoners and those sour-faced guards were there to hear their testimony at midnight. That story is in Acts chapter 16. But fast forward a dozen years from when they were in that dank cell to another time that we find Paul under arrest again. This time he wasn't languishing in that dank cell, but he was under house arrest in the city of Rome. He owned or rented a house, and they, but they confined him to that home. He could not leave that home. This happened between the years of 61 and 63 AD, about a three-year stint there. Paul was forced to stay put in that Roman Empire, that capital while he was waiting to go before Caesar's court. But he wasn't cut off at that time from the outside world. Even though a soldier was guarding him day and night, as Acts chapter 28, verse 16 tells us. Paul enjoyed a measure of freedom and enabled him to continue his teaching and his writing ministry. So what are some quick facts about the book of the Philippians? Who wrote it? Paul did. He says that in the very first verse. With the help of Timothy. Timothy was probably the scribe that wrote down Paul's letter as he was dictating it to him. Paul and Timothy were close companions. It was written from Rome when Paul was under house arrest. It was written around 62 AD, right in the middle of his stay there in Rome, while he awaited his hearing before the court of Caesar. But why was it written? It was written to encourage the believers to find Christ-centered, spirit-empowered joy in living, in serving, in sharing, and resting. And during this lengthy house stay, Paul drafted four letters in the New Testament. Now, scholars refer to these as the prison epistles or the prison letters. Those letters are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, the first one, Ephesians, was considered a circular letter. It was written to the churches addressed in Ephesus, but it was to be passed around all of Asia Minor to all the churches in that large area. And it dealt with certain things. Paul discussed some profound theological issues that would be doctrinally foundational and practically fruitful for the believers in those areas. Now, the shorter letter of Colossians shares some of the similar things to Ephesians. It was actually written to the church in Colossae. <clears throat> and it was to be passed around maybe a smaller area around that city to these house churches or maybe as they met in the synagogues. But it was still to a specific church with particular challenges. And the challenges were false teachers had come into the church in Colossians, Colossae to 
start preaching things that were not true. Another letter, the short one, was just a just brief comparison to the other New Testament letters, and this was the letter to Philemon. It was written to a certain person, Philemon, and it was about one subject, about a slave that had escaped Philemon's household and had met up with Paul, and Paul led him to the Lord. And now, as a believer, he was writing back to Philemon saying, I'm sending Onesimus back to you because rightfully he came from you. But treat him like a brother in Christ and no longer as a servant in your household. Now the letter of Philippians was sent separately to the Macedonia instead of the all of Asia Minor. And it was unique compared to all the other letters, especially the prison epistles. But also within the New Testament itself, it was unique. For example, unlike most of the New Testament books, there are no significant problems mentioned in this letter. Nothing that scholars have to puzzle out and wring their hands over, like the book of Hebrews was, where we dealt with deeper subjects. It was pretty much a presentation, a straightforward presentation of an easy-to-follow argument. Remarkably, the letter doesn't contain a single Old Testament quotation, one of the few books in the New Testament that does not contain an Old Testament quotation. Perhaps indicating that the original audience of, the, of Philippi, that church in Philippi, were almost all exclusively Gentile Christians. Maybe a few Jewish believers, but primarily Gentiles. Also, Philippians sustains the theme of joy throughout the letter. That's why we sang the song. The word joy, or the related verb rejoice, appears a dozen times in four short chapters. But in addition to that, he mentions Jesus Christ over 40 times. It's obvious that the implications that Jesus and joy go hand in hand. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. And that's what Paul was getting across to them. Overall, Philippians comes across as warm, encouraging, and affirming. It's the most positive of all of Paul's letters because it's not dealing with some sin or some issue that he was trying to get across. But remember, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. Yes, it was house arrest, but he could not leave his home. That would drive many of us crazy. A few of us would just like to stay at home and not ever go anywhere, but for most people, they like to get out. And Paul was chained in his home for three years. And in the midst of this, he writes this letter about joy, having joy in the heart. So Philippians 1.1 leaves us no doubt that Paul authored the letter with the assistance of his longtime companion, Timothy. He had been with him. Timothy had been with Paul when the church of Philippi actually started a dozen years prior to that. Now, there have been a few scholars who think the alternate location for this composition of Philippians but the majority of scholars believe it was during that house arrest, and I believe that also. And if you look at your map, uh, your bulletin insert on the side, it says application, the art of contentment on it. Where in the world is Philippi? Now, this is Macedonia. And you see the blue line across the top of that map. That's called the Ignatian Way. And about midpoint of that blue line, you see in the blue the city of Philippi. It was in... Macedonia was on the northern edge of the Aegean Sea. Because it was primarily a small Jewish population in that area, Philippi 
was majority of Christians were Gentiles. There were Romans or Greeks, the local Thracians. You see the word Thrace up at the top. That's a nation that certain people were from. And perhaps some people from Asia Minor or Egypt had wandered into that area and made their home there. By the time Paul wrote Philippians, the church had existed for over a decade, and it had grown steadily from its humble beginnings from a small house church in Lydia's home. If you remember the story of Lydia, she was a merchant of fiber or fabric. She is a very wealthy lady. They met at the, along the river, and Lydia says, why don't you meet in my home? I'll put you up. I'll entertain you. I will support your ministry. So the house church in Philippi started in Lydia's home, a woman among many women in the scriptures that were used mightily by God. Even if its embassy, though, of a church, it was known for its generosity in rendering financial aid to Paul, not only Lydia, but the people of Philippi were noted for giving people. Paul wrote this first letter, this letter first to thank the Philippians for supporting his ministry. They distinguished themselves as self-sacrificial givers. Second, Paul wrote them as a general warning about some false teachers that were roaming that area. He says, be, be careful about these teachers. They're not preaching the true gospel. Third, he wrote to encourage them to stand firm and strive in their faith. And fourth, he wrote to encourage the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord despite any outward circumstances that they might be facing, to find a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered joy, joy in living, joy in serving, joy in sharing, and joy in resting. One of the verses that we'll get to, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's usually challenging to capture an entire letter with a single word, but Paul does it with the Philippians. That one word is joy. Paul didn't write the letter as some answer to profound theological questions. He, did, he didn't write it to solve some difficult problem that they were having. He didn't write it to deal with sin, as Paul's other letters often did. Instead, he wrote it to express and encourage joy within them. In a way, the book of Philippians is a showcase of joy. It's like a treasure displayed in the center of a gallery. Now, it's all out of treasures and all out of large diamonds. So this is what I came up with today. The different facets of jewels that shine brightly from that. Each of the four chapters reveals a distinct facet of joy. If you look at your other side of your bold and insert today, I have a recap, or the book of Philippians at a glance. In chapter 1, we're going to learn this month of November, there's joy in living. Even when we don't get what we want, even when we're in difficult circumstances, even when there are conflicts in our lives, to find joy in living, there has to be something more than just good feelings or comfortable settings. That something is actually someone. And that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, starting in January, after the Christmas break for some Christian messages, we're going to look at joy in serving. It starts with the right attitude. It starts with humility. It's maintained through the right theology. And it's encouraged by right models. And those models are Jesus Christ, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, all three mentioned within this book of Philippians. 
As we go on from there, we'll have joy in sharing, another facet of joy. Paul shares a warning, a testimony, a goal for living, and a command. And then after that, we're going to find joy in resting. In one of the finest passages ever written on contentment, Paul explains how we can find joy in just resting. We find our 21st century lives so hectic at times that we don't take time to just find joy in resting, not to be undermined by our circumstances. Paul truly, is, or Philippians is truly a precious gem of joy with its different facets of joy. One shines with enthusiasm that pulsates with encouragement as we study the principles and adopt these precepts during our study in Philippians. It can also turn our drab lives into brilliant jewels with different facets of our lives. Jewels that shine as we're living, as we're serving, as we're sharing, and as we're resting. We're a light to shine into the rest of the world that desperately needs it. Now, next week, we're going to start more in depth with Philippians in chapter 1. Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians to encourage them to find that Christ-centered, that spirit-empowered, that joy in living, serving, sharing, and resting. It contains sound doctrine. It contains practical insights that have proven relevant throughout the centuries. But Philippians is not primarily a theological treatise but a loving letter from a friend, a brother in Christ, to his friends that he so dearly loved in that city of Philippi, his extended family. And when he even warns the Philippians about these false teachers that are roaming the area, he does so warmly and graciously and expects the best from his reader. He knows that they will respond to his teaching. In chapter 1, the theme is of joy is exemplified as Paul encourages the Philippians to find a Christ-centered joy, a spirit-empowered joy, a cheerful admission that his prayers are for their joy. He goes out of his way to express it to them. It opens Paul's cheerful admission with the prayers that the Philippians are always kind and gentle to him, and it brings joy to his heart. He demonstrates that personal joy, that optimism, amid challenges and difficult circumstances that were beyond his control. As we have circumstances that sometimes are beyond our control, do we let it stifle our joy? Whether we face conflicts, setbacks, we can find joy in living in Christ. He's our source and our center of joy. Regardless of whether we continue on in this world, building God's kingdom as he gives us opportunity, or at some point in the future, if he doesn't return before that, we return to be with him. We're to keep our focus on the source of our joy, the source of our hope, and that's Jesus Christ. As we sang with the children, we need to apply it all to our lives. Let us all have that joy, 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 joy down in our hearts because of the love of Jesus every day. That's just a brief snapshot of Philippians. Next week, we'll start going through verse by verse. We'll continue the month of November, the month of Thanksgiving, with joy and living as we dig into the meat of this letter. 
And next week's message is titled, Confident Enough to be Joyful. So let's please, please read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 for next week's message. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the joy that we can have down in our hearts, a joy that doesn't stay in our hearts, though, a joy that overflows in our lives, that everyone that we meet, everyone you allow us to impact, Father, can see that joy in our lives and see that we have the source of the joy, which is Jesus Christ, guiding and directing us, nurturing us and encouraging us. Thank you for this letter that you allowed the Apostle Paul to write to this church in Philippi, that we can learn what it means to be joyful in every situation, in every circumstance, because joy is not based on circumstances, but they're based in our relationship with you through Jesus Christ. I pray that this message was a blessing and a time of learning from God's word. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and create a great day every day. See you next time for more wisdom from God's Word.